Welcome to iWoofs with your hosts, Dr. Ian and Kelly Dunbar, and me, Jamie Dunbar. So what are we talking about this week, Kelly? This week is specifically for people who are thinking about getting a dog, a new dog or puppy. And that's not us, right? No, this well, is... <laughs> not today. No, you tell me it's not us before we go any further. <laughs> All right. Well, I think, you know, the very first thing that people should do is they should learn what adult dogs are like. That we look at a little puppy and we think, wow, he is so cute. And he's got one ear up and one ear down and he looks at us and we think he's going to be fantastic. And we bring him home and then it all happens so quickly. And he grows up and we have predictable problems. So I would say number one piece of advice I can give is get the whole family together. The whole family has to agree on this. They have to agree on whether they want an adult dog or a puppy. They have to agree on what breed they want or what type or what size. Then they want to go out and find, I would say, six of these. Six adult dogs, let's say, six Labrador Retrievers. And they want to meet the owners, they want to talk to them, and they want to, above all, test drive these dogs. They, they, they want to get their hands on the leash and see, does this Labrador Retriever walk by your side? Or is he off like it's the Iditarod? Does he jump up? Does he goose you? Is he house trained? And, and I find that owners are usually ruthlessly honest if they're talking to other owners. Of course, we know owners won't tell the, the truth with us. Are you trying to interrupt me? Well, yeah, I think, I think this is all really good advice, but I think you're getting ahead of, of the game. Uh, I think before people are out looking for a specific dog or puppy, I don't, they have you know, plenty of questions they should ask themselves as a group. I, th I think we should talk about the way you know, a family would come to the decision. I, I think that's cool. I think if we look at it logically, yeah, we, we, we should sit down, and you've probably got loads of questions right down there, right, that they could ask. I mean, what, what questions do you think they should ask themselves then? Well, you know, OpenPaw has a, a wonderful list of questions that takes you through three stages of, um, of looking or thinking about getting a dog or a cat. So, you know, we start with the, with the idea of what is your perfect companion. So why are you looking to get a dog? Not you, Ian. That's good. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> I have my perfect companions already. <laughs> I'm very happy. But this is what people should think about, because why are, why are they even entertaining the idea of having a dog in the first place? I think people have a dream picture of what it's going to be like with a dog. And, you know, I think we have to um, blend that with reality, you know, and, and come to some So you're saying decisions. they should write down that here's how I want this, say they choose a dog instead of a cat or a tortoise. This is the role I want the dog to play in my, play in my life. This is how I'm looking on living with a dog. Mm -hmm, definitely. And even before that, just thinking about their lifestyle. Um, what does a typical work day look like? What does the family make up? Who's home during the day? You know, how long would a dog be left alone all day? Now, that, that I think is, it is really good. It's like if someone showed me, like, the first you know, response, here is my dream view of living with a dog. I mean, so they've written it down. Who are they going to show it to? I would probably look at it and go, <laughs> I think you need to do some more research and read a book or something. But I think drafting out the weekly calendar, that's really important. Hour by hour, who's at home? Who's going to be in charge of the puppy? Um, because every hour the puppy needs to go out to take a leak. Who's going to be stuffing his, his hollow chew toys? And that we actually look at the family, whether it's one person or six people, and hour by hour, who is actually going to be the person in charge of the puppy and educating it. So that, that's really cool. What else do you have there? 
Um, thinking about how active your household is, I mean, I guess this part is the uh, this part of the questionnaire is is deciding whether or not you should get a dog more than more than deciding which dog is right for you. The very beginning of the process is saying, hey, is this realistic? Are we better off going to our local shelter and volunteering once a week? You know, so how active is your household? Um, do you travel often? Do you have space for a dog? It, these are very basic questions, but if people aren't in agreement about who's going to exercise the dog, who's going to do the feeding, who's going to go to training class, you know, uh, you know, the arguments be, will begin as soon as the new puppy is there. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's very important to consider that, but I think the whether it's right to get a dog type questions, um, it, I find owners don't really pay too much attention to them. That I find in my situation they've got the dog or they've made the decision to get the dog and that's why I always face the nitty gritty and say well, well get out there and, and, and test drive that's them. what this is it's prevention it's for keeping for people from just getting the dog you know before they and, and I, I say I think that's really cool I think we it's responsible of us to raise these questions and people should think about it um, the lifestyle one though I, I would take I guess kind of differently and it's kind of like you you and us my type of dog is a real sort of a, a, a dofa like a slow-moving doofus. He gets up late in the morning. He wants to stay up late at night. But by and large, he's a slow-moving, um, slow-learning oaf. I don't want to live with fast little dogs, which get up early and are always excited to greet you. So, so this is a huge consideration if we just split dogs into really active, really early dogs, and then the really slower dogs. But again, I, I still think that the only way that they can really um, test this is that the proof of the pudding is in the eating, and they can only test it by test driving dogs, by seeing people who have dogs and, and talking to them. So you're saying someone who says, oh, I've always loved collies, and I think I'd like to get one, you're recommending that they find people who have collies in their lives? Absolutely, and, and get their hands on an adult dog that already has a home, he's safe, he's got a nice home, and he's living with a collie worshipper. Um, and, and, and generally, if they've stuck to one breed, then they, they aren't really honest when they talk about their breed. So that's where it's important for the prospective owner to get their hands on that adult dog and start working with it to learn, you know, the good points and the bad points. I mean, we know the good points. Collie's good-looking, lovely long hair. Yeah, but they shed as well. You've got to clean up some of this hair. Um, the good points are they make great TV stars and they can run for help when little Jimmy falls down the well and they can help you fix your car. But the, the, the bad side of it is you actually have to teach them that. They don't come born with sort of auto mechanic skills or first aid skills. You actually have to train them. And, and this is where I love hands-on. You can and, train and, and, automatic, you, you know, you can automotive skills in, into a dog? Is that your next video? No, I was, I was joking. This is not, <laughs> you know, click and clack does dogs. Wow. But That's the, the, the point do. is, the, the, you know, the Hollywood view of a dog is he's remarkably intelligent. He does brilliant things. The reality is you have to train him. So I'm, I'm a great advocate for test driving dogs, which can either be done, go to an adult dog training class, hang out outside and talk to them when they come out. You will really get an honest view or go to a shelter. There's nothing like volunteering in a shelter and <clears throat> you get your hands on a whole bunch of dogs and you realize, wow, you know, they're really excited to see you. They goose you. They jump up. You put them on leash. They 
off they go. Okay, well, that brings up a really good point, though. Now, are we looking at dogs as individuals, or are we going to look at dogs as, you know, grouped by their, their type? I mean, you go to a shelter, and maybe there's a big, jumpy Labrador Retriever there, and you don't want to just say, well, all Labrador Retrievers are jumpers. And I think we look at them both ways. The type is important. Do you have a big dog or little dog? It's a huge difference in terms of the behavior. But all dogs are dogs. All dogs are going to bark. They're all going to chew. They're all going to pee and poop. They're all going to dig. They're all going to jump up. And they're all going to pull on leash. The question is, when you have this leash puller, is it a Shih Tzu or is it a Mastiff? Because if it's a Mastiff or a Malamute, you're really going to have to deal with this. With a little Shih Tzu, maybe not. Put a little jeweled harness on him. Walk, and he, there he goes. And it doesn't matter if he pulls. I mean, you know, he doesn't even weigh 10 pounds and, and, and people weigh like 150 to 200. So I think we have to let people know a dog is a dog. I mean, this is what Dog Star Daily is all about. So you can go and this is what dogs do. It's not like the dog wants to read a book or watch the telly. No, the dog wants to chase his tail to use your living room like an agility course to chew things, to bark all day long. And people have to realize it's what dogs do. And depending on the type of the dog, they will do it to a greater or lesser extent. But it's still up to the owner to know how to give their little puppy or their newly adopted adult dog an education. Do you have any advice for that, for helping people decide whether or not they want a new puppy or to go to a shelter and adopt perhaps an adult dog or even an elderly dog? I have, yeah, I mean, I have loads of advice and I've given it lots of times, but it's seldom followed. (laughs) Um, I've spent a lot of time with people, you know, whether to get a puppy or to adopt a dog from a shelter. And I tell them, well, the good news about a puppy is you can make it to be what you want. But the bad news is if you screw up, you've just created another shelter dog. The brilliant thing about shelter dogs is the perfect dog for you, almost a ready-made perfect dog, is out there somewhere. And so it's basically selection, selection, selection. You've got to to look around and search. Um, When it comes to breed of dog, I, I give up. I no longer give advice. I mean, I can remember a very long time um, sitting down with uh, Jamie's two friends um, choosing a breed of dog for them that their father said, oh, they want to get a dog. And we looked at dog books and what have you. And eventually we decided Portuguese water dog. They wanted a low allergenic dog, medium sized to small dog, cute, black and white. So I showed them pictures, took them to show them the dogs. They loved it. And then their father got a German shepherd. <laughs> I mean, it's just no, I, I can't explain the choices that people make and, and whether it's appropriate or not. I mean, it's their choice. So I give advice, but I'm not going to take offense if people don't take it, because they seldom do, with the exception of, I say, go and test drive an adult dog. There is nothing like having a Rottweiler on leash, you know, that wises you up so quickly. Or Larry Labrador, two years old, you know, his sheer exuberance for life. And within seconds, you then ask the question, well, can I live with this? Well, if you can, that's cool. If not, then you've got to teach Larry Labrador how to approach life very calmly. So I always think that's the number one thing. And I I like having lots of questions to get people to ask, you know, so they think a little beforehand. I guess that's what we're trying to do here and what Open Poor tries to do, that to get people to think beforehand um, before they make that decision, because the decision could last for 14 or 17 years. 
It's, it's such a big decision, for. and so many people make it impulsively or based on just one moment of emotion rather than, you know, the, maybe even the amount of time they would think about um, getting a new car or buying a sofa. You know, they spend more time thinking about those kind of uh, acquisitions than they do about their companions. Yeah, it, it is, and, and I, I don't have anything against a, a um, what do you call that, a spontaneous decision. What's it called? A, a Impulse. Impulse, thank you very much, Jamie. Like an impulse purchase. Um, but stick with it. Like when I got Phoenix, it was a very impulse purchase. And I knew this is a wrong decision. She's four months old. She's been walking on the street. She's had no vaccinations. I mean, this, and she's a Malamute. It's, it's screaming wrong, 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 wrong. But then I thought, but I will stick by her. And yet, yeah, you know, she lived with me until she was 14. That's the difference, I think. An impulse purchase is okay as long as you stick by it because we are buying a living animal. And, and if we screw up, I think I feel so strongly about this, if we screw up with puppies, we've created a shelter dog. That, that, and, and this is where, I mean, it's, it's the whole reason for Dog Star Daily, that shelter dogs just don't appear. They are manufactured and they are manufactured in a very predictable and progressive way. And, and I think this is what Dogstar Daily and iWoofs is all about. We want people to know this, that this decision you're making to get the cute puppy, um, you better do it right. You know, do not give up on this puppy. And at six to eight months, he's going to the shelter because now we're going to try to rehome a dog which has the problems that you created simply because you didn't know. That, you know, I don't get on people's cases with it. I don't say, oh, you're irresponsible, that's disgusting. It's just they didn't know. And, and that really is our responsibility. Well, beyond not knowing, though, but if they're giving up, then that means they are being relatively irresponsible. But I think they didn't know beforehand. And, and again, it, it's, it's the whole point of Open Poor and this radio show to let them know over and over again this is what your puppy will do. And, and I think it is the responsibility of dog professions to get this message out there. And, and by dog professions, I mean um, the whole shelter world. That should be their major goal, is telling people, don't manufacture more shelter dogs, rather than their life being so busy trying to deal with them and rehome them. The veterinary profession, the training profession, all of the doggy professions, their number one goal should be letting people know beforehand, wow, within two, three, four, or six months, you could take this perfect puppy and you could turn him into a shelter dog. Don't, don't do that. Okay, now that said, you know, we don't want to be down on shelter dogs. As you said, there are plenty of perfectly good dogs out there that can be the right companion for somebody. So what do you, what do you have to say for those people that would rather you know, go to their local shelter and adopt a dog, perhaps an one of these adolescents that does now have a few behavior problems or training, la lack of training, let's say. Oh, no, no, absolutely. I I'm not down on shelter dogs at all any more than I would be down on homeless people. It's like when you're down on your luck, you need help. And, and full kudos to all the shelters and rescue organizations out there who are trying to rehome adult dogs. My advice to the owner is select very, very carefully because what could be a perfect dog for somebody else could be a disastrous dog for you. Let's say you have an active family and you adopt a dog that is universally fearful of everything. 
well, family life now stops. You can't have people round to the house. You can't take the dog on walks without stressing him out. Whereas for that fearful dog, he could be the perfect companion for an elderly gentleman who lives at home. And he's grumpy, he and he doesn't like friends. Well, yeah, he lives, I mean, <laughs> on his own, is what I meant to say. So he lives by himself, but he has very few friends. And so this dog could be wonderful for him. So I think when you're looking for a shelter dog, um, selection is the key. Search and search and search and search and search, and well, you will find the, the perfect dog there. This does go back, Ben, full circle, just to, to asking these questions. If there is a perfect dog for everybody, the more that you know what you're looking for, the more likely you'll be able to find that that personality, whether it's a new puppy or a shelter dog, right? Absolutely. And and then the once you've got a shelter dog, the your number one aim is the same as having a puppy. But instead of with a puppy preventing problems, you're now resolving these problems. So when you take on a shelter dog, you, well, you, you want to check, is he house trained, yes or no? Can you house train him? Now, not every shelter dog does have problems. I have worked with so many shelters, and you really can also find dogs that are fully fully trained. I mean, I've, I've seen some lovely dogs that have gone to all of their, their classes, have perfect manners. Now, I, don't, I just don't want to give the, the, you know, the public the idea that all shelter dogs are going to be a problem in a new home. No, no, and the, and the brilliant thing is with selection, you're trying to select a dog which is ready-made for you, that he was just unwanted for whatever reason. Uh, maybe he was too active, maybe he barked too much, but this is the dog you're looking for. You want a dog that's active, and you want a dog where you can take his barking and turn him into your own furry burglar alarm. So the point is, you've got to know whether he has any problems or not, and whether you can resolve them. And as you say, a lot of dogs, no, they are problem-free. They are just unwanted. Um, for whatever reason, they woke people up in the morning. And so I know lots of people who have adopted a dog, and the dog has moved into the house, and instantly the, the dog has been next to perfect. I mean, your little Ollie, who you adopted, I'm sure, within a couple of days, he was oh, next to perfect. Well, no, 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 Ollie, <laughs> Ollie had some issues when I, I, I rest my case there. Yes, then. yes. But they were all training issues that I knew I could resolve. He didn't really have any behavior problems. He was a friendly social dog. He just he lived in the on the borderline country in the in the country, and we were, lived in the big city. He had to learn big city living, and I knew that I could teach him in a short period of time to adjust to city life. So I was I was comfortable making that decision. Yeah, and I think when I look back on the two dogs dogs that I um, brought into my home, adopted, they had big behavior problems too. But I knew I could easily resolve them. And, and more importantly, I knew this dog would be much better off. with These were both biting dogs. So I knew, no, they were better off with a dog trainer who could quickly resolve the problems, and then we could get down to normal living. So I think the important things when you're looking to adopt a dog, search, 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 and select, select, select. Find the right dog for you. And then make sure you know whether it has problems or not. And if it does have problems, make sure you know that you can resolve them. So, you know, I, I see a lot of dogs waiting for adoption who are really scared that, that what happens in the whole, you know, thing. They, they weren't suitable at home. People put them in the garden where they learn to bark and they're put in the basement. Well, this goes through then a desocialization process. So by the time the poor puppy is six to eight months old, he's really desocialized now and he's scared of people and he's, and he's scared of life. And then he goes to the shelter and we try and rehome him. And I think people should have quite clear in their minds the urgency 
that they have to resolve this fear in the dog. Otherwise, the dog lives in agony. If the dog's afraid of people, and we're walking every day, it's like every day the dog has to meet his biggest fear. So they must know that it's really urgent now to socialize this dog, to build his confidence so that he's no longer fearful. And this is usually, it's a time-consuming process. It's going to take a number of months. As opposed to a dog, say, who's not house-trained, it's going to take you about a week. You know, or a dog that barks, that'll take you about a week. But if he's fearful, we have a time investment here. And, and I think it's good to know up front what we're going to do. He needs to be hand-fed. We need to take baby steps. We need to hand-feed him at home first, and then we hand-feed him by the front door, then with the front door open. Then with the front door open, he's a yard outside. So it's, it's this kind of approach. But it's an urgent one. We can't let the dog live on with these problems. It, it is often too stressful. Okay, well... I think I think we've kind of covered the the aspect of thinking about getting you know selecting the right dog. Now, what about the what about the general preparation? Uh, you know, I mean, in in your book before you get your puppy, you know, you, we have lots of advice. You have lots of advice on how to pre prepare for the puppy. Um, a lot of people have questions about that. I mean, I, I'd like to talk, I guess, a little bit about house training and what you need to do in advance, you know, to, to make sure that you're set up to teach your puppy or your adopted dog. Yeah, I, I think before you get on that, I mean, the, the general principle is when a puppy comes to your house or when a newly adopted adult dog comes to your house, this is a huge training scenario. New rules can be taught very easily. When the dog comes into a new house, he's like, well, what are the rules here? So read beforehand. Know what the new rules are going to be. Make sure during the first week you house train that dog, you chew toy train that dog, you teach him when he can bark, when not to bark. And the first week is, is so crucial. And then your adult dog will adapt really quickly. The so puppy, of course, will take longer. So you're saying regardless of whether you have a puppy or an adult dog, you need to start training and start with the rules that you like your dog to learn from day one. Absolutely. Yeah. Because some people think that they want to give, especially a shelter dog, a, a break, a, a period of adjustment where they're not going to do anything. No, 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 no. Yeah, we teach rules from day one. And the rules can be anything. I leave it to owners to write. Number one, I say, where do you want your dog to pee and poop? Now, it's your house. I don't mind. If you want the dog to do it on your bed, that's okay for me. It's your house. So do you want an indoor toilet or an outdoor toilet, private property or public property? Where do you want the dog to sleep? I don't mind if they want the dog in the kitchen, in the bedroom, in the living room, by their bed, on their bed, or in their bed. So the owner must choose and then write down these rules. And this is the way it is from day one. And by the time we get to the end of the week, most adult dogs say, oh, this is cool. I love this. Wow, this is a lot better than the shelter, you know. I, I don't have to sleep on a wet concrete floor here. I get a nice comfy bed, a nice owner who's, you know, feeding me and, and educating me. Is it, is it true? Most dogs uh, are creatures of habits, especially when it comes to toilet training, aren't, aren't they? I mean, I think, I think most people get hung up on this house training thing right <clears throat> from the very beginning. And um... Absolutely. They're creatures of habit, good habit and bad habits. And, and the whole point is you've got to teach the dog the good habit, or let's put it this way, the domesticated habit, that we as humans generally don't like dogs peeing and pooping in our house. We like them to use an outdoor doggy toilet. Uh, for some people with little dogs in apartments, it can be an indoor doggy toilet. But we have very precise rules, and so we should 
um, really make it our, our number one job to teach the dog to do it the way we want, to teach the dog the good habit. That's so much easier than trying to detrain bad habits. Um, because when you're trying to eliminate a bad habit, we often then turns into punishment. And, and the bad thing about punishment is, let's say you punish a dog three times for peeing on the carpet. Well, you're not going to catch him peeing on the carpet again. I mean, dogs aren't stupid. I mean, a basset will work that out in three trials. Like, do when I urinate on the carpet, they punish me. Okay, I'll wait until they go to work. So the real danger about trying to eliminate bad habits is we often reprimand and punish. The dog associates the reprimand and punishments with our presence, and so we create owner-absent problems. So from day one, house train the dog. Uh, put him on leash, tie the leash to your waist, or put him in a crate every hour on the air. Say, hey puppy, let's go to your doggy toilet, wherever that is. Keep him on leash. When he goes, give him three liver treats. And most adult dogs, within one, two, or three days, say, got it, cool. You mean, I can save up urine and feces and cash them in for liver treats? How cool is that? Now the dog doesn't want to soil the house when you're not there. So... Where the toilet is, I don't mind. What's important is that the owner decides where it's going to be, and then they teach the dog to use it. We we have um, a, some questions from our oh we do from well, our let's users have them then. Let's have a uh, question that, that have to do with you know I think the, the number one question that we get is about house training. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, I don't know. We, have, we it's it's a long question. It's a long question. Yeah. Are we ready for that? Well, it's habit. I mean, can you pray say the question? Jamie, can you can you find a question this for this week? Uh, yes, this question. Um, I have been reading your book before and after your puppy. I'm in the before stages, and I find myself in unfamiliar doggy territory. In the past, I've always had plenty of free time at home to devote to a new puppy, along with help in the training process. I now live alone in an apartment, and I work very long, long shifts, twelve-hour nights, but only three nights weekly. Whoa. How do I accommodate this? Well, um, you better teach your little puppy to hold it. <laughs> I mean, 12 hours is, is a long time. Obviously, a young puppy won't be able to last that, that length of time. And so we want to make sure that when you're at work, the puppy is in a long-term confinement area. So this, you know, they can check out on Dogstar Daily. The importance about a long-term confinement area is not only does it have a bed, a comfy bed, stuffed chew toys, chew toys stuffed with food to play with, entertainment, a fresh supply of water, but it has a toilet because there's no way a puppy dog is going to last 12 hours. When the owner's at home, they want to keep the dog in a short-term confinement area. And the purpose of this is basically so that they can know when the dog wants to go. They can predict when the puppy wants to go so they can lead him to the toilet and they can reward him for using it. So that when they do leave the puppy in his long-term confinement area when he's at work, the puppy will now be more likely to, to use the toilet. Well, I think we're, we're just about through for um, this week. So I think we needed a whole episode on, think, on indoor and outdoor toilets. I've I, got lots of questions about them. Well, we could do that next week if you want. You want to do? Let's Sounds go like for, a good idea. What a great topic, hey? Indoor and outdoor toilets. Okay. That's all for this episode of iWoofs. Thank you for listening.